Okay, we're back. We're doing it again. We're here together. We're here in person, not in the 1903 room at Inverness Club, in a different room. We've moved to a different room where the likelihood of getting interrupted is lower. <laughs> I think that's probably a good life choice for us. Well, welcome back to Mixed Bag, where we talk about what's going on in women's golf, whether that's professional or amateur game, anything in between or whatever we really want to talk about. Um, and I feel like we, we need to start, as we always do, with Justin's 60-second personal golf recap. Gosh, I don't even know what I've really done since the Solheim Cup. I've played, played a lot a of golf. played a lot of good golf courses. I've played a lot of really high-end golf courses, which people like me probably shouldn't get invited to. But I had a great stretch of top 100, top 200 courses in about a three-week span right after the Solheim Cup. So for the Midwest here in the greater Toledo, Ohio area, as the season is rapidly winding down, yeah. even though it was, what, 75 degrees today, <laughs> yeah. it was a nice way to kind of conclude the season. So my golf recap is my golf game is not good. Okay. It might never be good again, but it's not completely terrible. So I'm at a comfortable place with my end of season golf performances. Fair enough. We're moving to Pinehurst in a few weeks. So Not like, a big I'm, deal. I'm hoping my trajectory goes up even while yours goes down. Well, I'm going to be heading into snow removal season and you're still going to be <laughs> playing golf. It's going to be nice. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. We've got a bunch of LPGA recaps. Last time you and I connected was after the Solheim Cup, and it was a, it was a good mix of um, our personal experience at the Solheim Cup as well as the Solheim Cup team members' experience. Um, but this time around, we're kind of starting and ending with Jin Young Ko. <laughs> um, she has been pretty dominant over the last few weeks and, and really the whole year, but um, has definitely shined the last few weeks. So. After Solheim Cup was the Cambia Portland Classic, where Jin Young Ko won by four shots at Oregon Golf Club. I got a plug for the ladies. Our introduction to golf clinic was there that Sunday. Um, place is super beautiful. It looks sweet on TV. Yeah, it's insanely beautiful. I will say, like, you just don't get settings like that where it's all the pine trees, the hills. Late summer in Portland is just beautiful. Like, the sunsets are amazing. Um, place is great and it was fun for four ladies because as we were having our intro to golf clinic all the LPGA players were practicing so really? like they were there on the range they were on the putting green so That's like phenomenal. it doesn't get much better than that and I can't thank them enough for having us like you don't realize you're like oh they're letting us do this like while they're running a professional golf tournament so can't complain and it was awesome and um, it played tough yeah so I was talking to Bianca Pagadanigan's caddy, who is also mm -hmm. a caddy here at Inverness, Brendan. Brandon. Brandon. Brandon Jackson. <laughs> Fiance is Brendan. Um, and he shared that a lot of the players were saying it was the toughest walk they had all season. I believe it. It looked yeah. great on TV. I thought the Instagram photos and the social media content that was coming out was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I know this wasn't the regular venue as we talked about previously and they kind of moved it to this golf course, but as we say, I'm a big venue guy. I, I would love to see this club back in the mix again. I don't I know. know if it, that's gonna happen. It probably won't because it wasn't the traditional host site, but it was on Golf Channel for you know four straight days and had really good coverage and I thought it was great to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm friendly with the guy who oversaw their social media that week. Um, he was also a volunteer at the For the Ladies event. And I felt like sometimes when you just like have somebody good who's overseeing the social media channels, you're like, 
oh, like, this is a legit event, and mm-hmm. things are going really well, and, like, look how cool it is. And it's so interesting, like, when resources are, like, given to the events that it really elevates them. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, and that was Connor at the Bag Bandit. So a little shout-out for him. But I, overall, I thought it was great. Um, I'll be curious if they go back. I, th- I would hope they're still in Portland moving yeah, forward. Yeah, it's a long-standing site or long-standing yes, event. They said it was, like, the oldest event other than a major so i think it'll go back there they'll have the the portland classic again yeah but i don't think we'll get the the, the same views and the, the the pine trees and all that we got to see on tv it was a cool like when you drive up you're just driving past like a bunch of wineries like place is pretty sweet that's something i can get behind right yeah so <laughs> next week was arkansas and um nasa won big win for her i she had a runner-up finish at the U.S. Women's Open, finished um, second in the sudden death playoff against Yuka Sasso. So it was nice to see her win. Right, and she won here in Toledo at the marathon, kind of blew people away in another three-day yeah. event. Yeah. Another real solid performance, 16 under par, tight finish with Minji Lee right, right. in the mix. Yuka Sasso, Danielle Kang was right there. So a lot of big names, Stacy Lewis, who's from... The Arkansas area, but also from Houston and also from Toledo and probably yeah. some other places. So good to see her kind of play well in her host event, if you will. But yeah, another well-deserving champion. That's kind of the trend you'll see, you know, following Solheim. Is we had, you know, Jin Young Ko wins twice, but we had you know three big-time winners that. You know, these late season wins really elevated their Which season. Which is great. Like, oh. you don't want the season to fall off after the big event of Solheim no. Cup. So that was cool. I We already messed up the podcast. you got to give your rating for the Cambia Portland Classic. <laughs> so what is your, what is Justin's rating? For, for an event that had a day rained out, but yes. the coverage was good. I thought the golf course looked really cool. You know, one of the best players in the world right now, maybe the best, but still, you know, in terms of the the rating, the second best player in the world wins. I think for a regular tour stop with a unique setting, it's it's a solid 4.1 type score, which is a pretty good score for a regular tour event that didn't even have a rain rain out. So, okay, okay. 4.1. Perfect. 4.1. We can go back to Arkansas. Fast forward back to Arkansas. Back in Arkansas. I think for me, I mean, I, you know, over the last few weeks, just looking at the leaderboard after the first few days, I've just noticed Yuka Sasso up there a lot. And that may be some bias for me, just recognizing her name from the Women's Open. But I was looking, and she has had six top 25 finishes and three top five finishes since her U.S. Women's Open victory. So she clearly that has like pushed her forward and sure. maybe given her some confidence. She's um, solidified herself as a top tier end yes, player. Right. I mean, if you look at everything from you know her her staying in the standings, her position in the world golf rankings. Sure. If you want to even take it next level and look at things like betting odds that are more and more out there, mm. even for LPJ events, you know, she is a prohibitive favorite in every event she is playing in. And this is her first full year on the LPGA Tour. So I, I'm excited for her. She's such a fun personality. I think it's cool that she is a player from the Philippines and able to bring like that, maybe bring some excitement for that country. Um, so I thought that was great, but it was also great to see NASA just have a strong finish. Right. Yeah. And put away a really solid field. Yeah. So rating for the Walmart Arkansas Championship presented by P&G. 
hey, another <laughs> good event, another really deserving, really solid winner, okay. which is a which is a great trend to have. You know, we had you know some coverage on television, which has been nice here later in the season mm -hmm. with the with the golf schedule getting a little less crowded. Right. Uh, maybe not as great of coverage as for uh, for Portland, but I think this event with the golf course with kind of the finish and everything i gave this one a 3.9 okay so not quite as good as portland because of the setting and maybe the champion sure. but still a good event and deserve a champion i think that might be your lowest rating of our podcast season oh that's sad i know i, I like the i have nothing against the good people of arkansas but you know you have or to, walmart <laughs> walmart definitely not walmart we, we know stephanie likes her walmart trip, right everyone so loves like. walmart <laughs> um yeah but like we have to set a precedent and kind of like set the bar so it's all good not everything's a five-star meal that's right so moving on to the Shoprite lpj classic presented by acer um celine boutier continues the momentum from solheim cup and her let win yeah i don't know if celine boutier is officially a friend of the podcast but she did take a picture with me <laughs> okay at the gala night on at during solheim week with me and my wife um, I'm immensely appreciative of that. I don't remember all of the details, but I do have the photo. And I even tweeted out acknowledging that taking a photo with me, after she took that photo, she was on a winning Solheim Cup team, won an LET event, and then won an LPGA event. So some people call it a podcast bump. You're just giving it like a photo bump. Podcast bump, photo <laughs> bump, all those things. These are, these are facts only. But at the end of the day, she shoots 63 in the final round to beat Brooke Henderson, Jin Young Ko, and Inby Park yep. by a shot. I mean, yeah. that is high-level stuff. And I know maybe Inby and Jin Young Ko didn't play as well in the final round as they would have hoped. But to come out, come from back of the pack a little bit or mid-pack, shoot 63, kind of watch the competition, not quite be able to yeah. get it done at the end. A lot of credit to Celine, and she is rolling and. I mean, a heck of a four or five week stretch for her. Yeah, no, I. It's really incredible. Is she? Um, I, one of my questions was was is she one of the people you chatted with the Solheim Cup? Chatted, clearly. Chatted, you know. Is she friends with Anna? Uh, well, she also went to Duke, so oh. yes, she's in the she's in the Anna Celine Leona mm. Duke triumvirate. Got it. There's always an angle there. <laughs> there really is. Mm -hmm. um, can't wait to have Anna on the podcast. It'll happen. Do we know why this was a 50-hole, 54-hole stroke play event? Like what? Yeah, I don't I know don't why know. was this or Arkansas both set up as 54-hole yeah. events. It just must, you know, come out that way. But it was a cool setting. You could see Atlantic City and see the water. Yeah. Golf oh, course yeah. was was it's was fine. solid, and yeah. you know, again, it got a lot of good TV coverage which is the one kind of highlight for me that I think with the way the LPGA has kind of positioned their schedule, I know they're losing some events that we'll get to with the kind mm -hmm. of falling apart of their Asian swing. But mm -hmm. with with Portland, with Arkansas, with New Jersey, with the back-to-back -back New Jersey events, given those were all kind of after the, the FedEx Cup on the PGA Tour side, yeah. you really got to see a lot of live golf. I know, and I think that was great. really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm... I guess I was trying to think if I had anything else on this one. Not really. I think um, I'll be, I'm just like so curious about this golf course. Um, I've like heard very mixed reviews, but. Yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah. It's Atlantic City. I know, that's that's the other thing, but good for Celine. Um, right. What's your, uh, what's your rating? 
this was tough for me because, like you said, the golf course wasn't maybe as good as some of the other venues. Yeah. But the finish was great. A unique champion just in terms of I think it's great for golf and women's golf to have, you know, more Europeans win, especially because it's somewhat, somewhat dominated by, you know, South Korean players and by American players. And then to beat Brooke Henderson, to beat Jin Young Ko, to beat NB Park, Maria Fossey yeah. was in the mix. I think this was a good 4.2 event, which is a very nice oh. regular season event. Great. Okay. All right, moving on to Founders Cup, which we just came off of, the Cognizant Founders Cup, which uh, moved to a new location this year. Uh, Jin Young Ko won four strokes over Caroline Masson. Um, I mean... Domination. Just domination. And, like, so many things. It was her 14th consecutive round in the 60s, matching the single-season efforts of Annika Sorenstam in 2005. Like, I, it was just so dominant and such a nice way to, like continue on the season. I'm I'm ready for my very um, original pick of Nelly Corda to <laughs> to like kind of move back into the picture because mm -hmm. I would love to see like a duel of sorts at one of the final events of the season. Well everyone loves rivalries. Rivalries yeah. help build up any sport. Yeah. Jin Young Ko's play the last month has been unbelievable. You talk about 16 straight rounds or, or is it 14 straight rounds in the 60s? Yes. You know to tie a record that Annika held, whenever you're talking about records and Annika Sorenstam's name is brought up, that's right. pretty heady company. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a great event. It had a really nice purse, an elevated purse, especially after the week before, mm -hmm. um, of you know $3 million on a new venue. Um, the golf course looked awesome on television. It did. Uh, it got really good reviews from a lot of the players, a lot of good photos on social media. They all said it was like the best food of the season. Oh, I saw it. Was it Jin <laughs> Corned Yanko? beef. Yes. It was Jin Yanko. Yes, her post-game press conference talking yeah. about the cookies and the corned beef and getting <laughs> and like hungry. Marita Alex, I think, responded on Twitter like the corned beef is the best. I'm like, what a random thing, but I love right. it. I mean, it was a really good event. It was well put on. Jin Young Ko dominated. A lot of good players in the top 10. You know, Carolyn Masson's been struggling, self-admittedly. Sure. A great finish for her to kind of secure her place yeah. next year as, you know, we're kind of running out of events here. But, you know, the number two player in the world is closing the gap on Nelly, and that's, that's, that's good for golf also. Yeah. Uh, Maria Fossi had her best finish of the season. Um, she so she had a lot of miscuts this season yep. and a knee injury most people know her for her augusta national women's amateur mm -hmm. runner-up finish but um it's so interesting because it's like that's you can't really define her by her amateur career so no. and she was um, an ncaa champion at arkansas yeah yeah so it, it was nice to see her reach a stride um in a, an otherwise like not super successful season right and actually, her best finish of the season was the week before at the Atlantic oh, City event. What did she finish? She at? finished fifth there, and she finished, I think, about 20th or 25th oh. at the Founders. So really you might be getting your up. leaderboards messed up. <laughs> she did fall off a little bit on the, on the final day. But no, a, a solid finish for Maria yeah. to kind of have two good back-to-back -back weeks to get herself. She was well outside the top 100. Yeah. And, you know, really to get full LPGA status, you've got you to be top 80. And top 100, that 80 to 100, will get most of the starts. So even though she is such a recognizable name, you know, to get herself into that top 100, into that, 
you know, closer to that 80, at least kind of secures her status moving forward. Yeah. And overall, like Founders Cup, I love the story behind it, like honoring the founders of the LPGA. Nancy Lopez so was there it. also. There's, it's super cool. Right. Like I think there's two living founders still. One of them was there. Mm-hmm. Like she's like 95 years old. And she I, was at the Solheim too. Yeah, and I. It's just nice. I think. I think it's a cool thing. I think it's something people can, you know, especially the players can like rally behind. So good for them for having that and creating that storyline. Yeah, um, it's a great event. They moved from Arizona yep. and I think they upgrade the venue. Yes. I think getting more golf in the East Coast is in yeah. a bigger market is positive. I think it was a really a home run on every level and you got a very deserving champion. So what's the rating? I'm going, we're, we're right, we went down and now we're rising back up. This is yes. a 4.3 okay. great golf course. Yeah. I'm a chubby boy. I love good food. So they, uh, even though I didn't Appreciate get to try that. the good food, <laughs> the, 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 the credit to good food elevates in my mind. So I can't, this is a 4.3 event. The event is rising. We're heading in a good direction towards the end of the season. Great. So, okay, we've got Cambia Portland Classic 4.1, Arkansas 3.9, ShopRate 4.2, Founders Cup 4.3. Love it. Great ratings. I'm very comfortable with all of those scores, especially (laughs) as we look at it retrospectively. As long as you're confident, then we're all good here. All right, so going into news, I mean, first off, just Nelly Corda is still the number one player in the world, which I think it's great. Um, I think it's great that she's a name. I think it's great that Jin Young Ko is creating this, you know, rivalry of sorts. And I'd be curious, like, personally, like, are they friends? Do they talk to each other? I want to know these things. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's great to have two players that have really had dominant seasons. I still think Nelly with the gold medal is in kind of the position to be the player of the year. Whether the gold medal matters or doesn't matter. She's got a major championship. She's number one in the world. She's got another win. She's got the gold medal. I think that counts. But if Jin Young Ko goes to Korea and wins next week, or she comes back and wins one or two of the Florida events, that could swing a lot of things too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, other than the LPGA, we also had the um, Symmetra Tour finals and the the graduates of that are now on the LPGA Tour for 2022. So upon the end of the Symmetra Tour Championship that ended this past weekend, um, the Symmetra Tour awards LPGA Tour membership to the top 10 players on the race for the card money list. So just to read those off, they're Lilia Vu, Fatima Fernandez-Cano, Casey Danielson, Sophia Schubert, Rooks and Lou, Mode Amy LeBlanc, Amanda Dougherty, Allison Emery, Morgane Matro, and Rachel Rohana. Um, some of the names I like know personally are Lilia Vu, Casey Danielson, Sophia Schubert. They were really strong junior players. Sophia Schubert won the U.S. Women's Amateur back in the day. Yeah, so Casey Danielson was on some of those great Stanford teams. Yep, and- yep. She played in Junior Solheim Cup. Um, so just, you know, a little plug for the Four Ladies podcast. We're going to have Casey and Fatima on soon. We're going to have Lilia Vu on soon and Sophia Schubert. So we got some great podcasts coming up with the women who are coming on to the LPGA Tour. But I'm excited about this list. I thought it was really good. And there's, I think there's two players from FSU, like just a good crew. Yeah, and I read a story today about uh, Maude LeBlanc that uh-huh. she had kind of stepped away from golf and then kind of came back into it. Nice. So those things are always interesting and good human interest stories about how players yeah. kind of, you know, have their game, have their card, lose it for a bit, maybe take a step back 
and what then kind of find story? it again. Is she like a little older, maybe? I think so. I think she's is she Canadian. Perhaps we we didn't do enough research. We didn't do enough but, research. But full I disclosure. know she has a u unique story. Um, I'm excited to have a few of these women on the podcast. Excited to talk to them about like I mean the Symmetra Tour is hard yeah. and making your way onto. The LPGA Tour, the big stage is exciting. Uh, Lilia Vu played at UCLA, super strong player. Um, one of my good friends, Bethany Wu, finished 11th, and she didn't even get to play in like four of the events this year because she wasn't, she didn't have status. So like, it was exciting to see her finish the year strong. Um, it's just fun to have fresh meat <laughs> overall, like just have like new people to talk about. Um, so the I'm game excited. gets younger. There's always yeah. good infusion of talent. Yep. I think it's great to see there's always a good international contingent coming up from the Symmetra Tour, and this year is no different. You have players that played domestically in college, players that you said might be familiar to certain people, but you know it's a new crop of people that will get an opportunity to prove themselves on the toughest stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, keeping to kind of the the younger folks, um, we've also wanted to talk about Rose Zhang. She has won in both of her first starts at Stanford as a freshman. Rose Zhang, if you don't know that name, she won the 2020 U.S. Amateur and the 2021 U.S. Junior Amateur. She um, held the number one ranking for more than a year and earned the McCormick Medal twice, which is the medal um, given to the world's leading amateur. Um, you know, I think most in this position would probably just go pro right um, so it's cool to see her continue on but also succeed and I think it's interesting we've talked about this in another episode where we said you know maybe she's a player that you would think would just bypass college term mm -hmm. pro but she's actually especially with the way she started if she goes out and wins let's just say six or seven college tournaments yeah. or something or even four or five and is an all-american consensus player of the year all of a sudden, playing college really elevates her brand and totally. elevates, elevates her recognition, where she was a dominant junior and amateur player, but maybe not as many people saw her. Now she's getting coverage on the Golf Channel. She's getting more coverage yeah. on social media that by, by winning her first two college tournaments right out of the bat, you know, it just elevates her perception. Sure. So even if she's only a one and done, like you see in other sports, you know, like in basketball, you know, it's it could be a heck of a one and done, and I'm and looking at their schedule, their next tournament they host at Stanford. So, oh, nice. She's got a good chance to, you know. And she can. St I mean, the great thing is, is like, she'll still play in all those big amateur events, the U.S. Amateur, the North right. South. Potentially. Um, she'll play the Women's Open at Pine Needles. I would think. She could turn. Yeah. I mean, it just all depends. She might get to next, you know, yeah. May where you know national championships are at Greyhawk again and just if Stanford wins or is in the mix or regardless of what happens she may just turn pro mm -hmm. and say hey thanks for a great year at a, a wonderful academic institution in a place where they get to play an unbelievable schedule right I mean that's the thing too it, it rose with the way the schedule kind of works if she had turned pro after the summer she gets a few sponsors exemptions and then there's kind of a gap in the season who knows what next year starts she can play a full college schedule set up her brand for the rest of the the summer season and yeah. really potentially take off from there yeah i know it's fun to watch um it'd be cool to see her get like an ncaa championship like, right it, it'll just be interesting to see so someone to keep an eye on um but now we're gonna talk some lpga news continued i'm um, 
the when was it on October 5th about a week ago they announced the LPGA announced that the Toto Japan Classic was canceled mm-hmm. due to COVID-19 um and now the Asia Swing is one event yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a limited field I think it's 80 players next week in Korea I have I've looked for a field list and mm. couldn't find a defined field list I don't know if don't it just depends say, yeah. You know who wants to go over there for one event i believe it's i would presume at 80 players it's a no cut event so you're sure. guaranteeing yourself a check sure. um it's got an an okay purse but it's a long way to go to maybe play one event if you're not from um, asia but unfortunately they had a nice asian swing set up with multiple events and multiple places that players could commit to and kind of play two or three or how many yep. events they desired and because of factors that you can't really, you know, anticipate and can't really, you know, deal with the the tournament is now just one event. But hopefully that changes going forward. I'm sure they'll get a a very strong field given the, you know, there's a lot still to play for. Because now what's crazy is you're there's down to one. F- yeah, there's three <laughs> events left and, and only one two. of them's a full field event. Yeah. So yeah. the players playing. You know, in the ladies, the BMW Ladies Championship next week in Korea, some of those are KLPGA players, some of those are LPGA players. There is going to be a mix, but the LPGA players in that event likely don't need the points, don't need the world ranking points beyond just personal pride to secure their status. The event, you know, at Pelican in a few weeks in mid November is going to have a lot more on the line. Right, right. So the remaining events of the year, the BMW Ladies Championship in Korea, Pelican Women's Championship in Florida, and then the CME Group Tour Championship, which is their finals. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's just certainly interesting. Um, I'm just, yeah, I was just kind of looking. Yeah, the LPGA is not planning to fill the open dates. Right. So. And I thought, I talked to you before, I thought they might... Given that they have this event October 21st to the 24th, and then the event at Pelican isn't till November 11th yep. through the 14th, I thought they might add another event, kind of like, like they did on. with the drive-on yeah. Uno and Dos last right. year, that there might be an event in Florida where they could get a facility, limited fans, Golf Channel could probably cover it because there's not a ton going on. Sure. Um, but maybe they just felt like, hey, it's been a long, tumultuous season to get to the finish line with a lot of ups and downs and, you know, kind of is what it is. But when you start yeah. to look at some of the, when you look at the CME standings, I thought this was interesting just in terms of players and how many starts they have. Mm, like yeah. you have, you know, Brooke Henderson's got 21 starts. Okay. And then, okay, she's a premier player. You go further down the line, there's some individuals that are trying to, you know, maintain their cards that maybe only have, you know, 16, 17 starts you know, 15 starts, you know, that's not a lot of events. Yeah. And due to cancellations, some limited field events, you know, you're going to have some people, you know, that that just didn't get it, feel like the season's over. Like kind of big names. You got like Christy Kerr at 111, Brittany Lang 113. And then also determine, you know, priority ranking. If you were coming off the Symmetra Tour, look like you talked Mm -hmm. about Bianca. Bianca's only made 12 starts this year. Yeah. 
because she had you know limited status off right. of what her finish was last year. She's playing in Q school. Yeah, she's yeah. you know 124th hasn't maybe had the year she was going to hope for, mm -hmm. but again, how many events were you know could she have gotten into or maybe would have gotten into if it was a full schedule? Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, you look at Michelle Wee West, she played six events this year. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it's certainly interesting to see how things shaked out. Mm -hmm. Gosh, yeah, especially those who are on, like, that 100 to 120 bubble. Right. Um, yeah, gosh. Um, so, yeah, three events left. Three events left. I think it's interesting because there's, like, this, di you know, there's this paradox of, you want to be able to offer these players more playing opportunities to earn more money. But for the fan, it's kind of nice because you're like, well, oh, LPGA Tour's back. Where, like, on the PGA Tour, for example, there's something every week. Right. And everyone has kind of fatigue by the time they get to this time of year. Right. Where on the LPGA, it's like, oh, well, like, we haven't had it in a few weeks. Now it's back. Like, there is always that sense of um, excitement for it coming back. So it's just interesting because you obviously want the women to have as many playing opportunities as possible. Right, and for the men, you know, they had their two-week off season. They've come yeah. back, and you've had, you know, Max Homa win, mm -hmm. Sam Burns win, and Sunjay Sun M win. Mm -hmm. Those are p three pretty powerful names, yeah. especially winning in the fall season. Yeah. And it just gets lost. It does. No one talks totally about it. I totally forgot about Max winning until he was right. on, like, all the podcasts this right. week. <laughs> it, just, it gets lost in the narrative of the news cycle I of know. golf fatigue. Yeah. And I do think the one thing that's kind of going to hurt the LPGA a little bit is you kind of had this four-week stretch of good events with some phenomenal champions. And take a break. week off, have an event. Take two weeks off, have an event, and then have a great event. Right. So it's kind of all over the map as and well. And the finals are just going to like kind of hit you and you're right. like, oh, it's happening. Right, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. With like com competition from all the other sports. Yep. So... All right, our last piece of news is the ANA and Chevron becoming a new sponsor. Um, I mean, lot lot came with that announcement. Bigger purse, new location, new sponsor. Still going to Mission Hills in 2022 as kind of a, I'm sure they'll blow it out with a you know a really nice like goodbye tour. But um, yeah, big news from the LPGA. Yeah, we texted about this and emailed and it kind of became somewhat of a divisive news issue there were people that were very very disappointed felt that the lpga was turning its back on a course a town that had kind of you know propped up a major create a major um and been a long-standing partner but then you started to read a little more and you read people like Jerry Fultz, who's very involved in women's golf and is an on-course reporter for the Golf sure. Channel. And he talked about how, you know, crowds had diminished, sponsorship had become more difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, ANA, for those that don't know, is an airline company that's really struggling like most of the airline companies mm. are right now. They weren't going to renew their sponsorship. That left the event in a little bit of peril. And, you know, Chevron stepped up. They're going to elevate the purse. We've I talked a lot it. about the purse elevation at the RNA and the USGA and the LPGA through the through um, KPMG are doing with those three majors. Sure. That there was a chance that this major was going to get left behind. Sure. And it always prided itself on being the first major, the first golf major. It was before the Masters. It was always played at the same site. The caddies wore the white bibs. Yep. But I think when you look at this big picture, and this is just my opinion, sure. 
I don't think it was the strongest venue, especially when we talk about venue so much mm -hmm. and where the venues matter, where the USGA, the LPGA, and where the RNA are taking those other majors. This venue was lagging behind, the purse was lagging behind. If you're trying to grow women's golf and trying to grow the LPGA, it really was a no-brainer. Yeah. And is it disappointing to some to turn your back on Poppy's Pond and Dinah Shore and all that was done to get this tournament to where it is today and the, the ceremonial leap into Poppy's Pond, sure. which is kind of more of a pool, but regardless. It is what it is. <laughs> it's still cool it's to see nice and it happens half. every year. Right. You know, when they talk There's about tradition. right when they talk about things like waning attendance and waning interest, I even saw people say, "Hey, maybe the area was starting to take the event for granted." I think it had kind of maybe just gotten a little stale. And and, and like that happens. Right, that's it's life. Okay. Yeah. It's and, okay. And uh, you know, there's so many I think then 2020 2022 it will have plenty of attention because yep. it's its last year 2023 you're setting it up to get receive attention because it's a new place right. wherever that place is and they're going to move the date around right. it sounds like it's going to be after Which the masters I love. like it it was always uh, once the um augusta national women's amateur came into play well that was the other elephant like, in the room too that was like so tough for those girls those amateur players who are, are honored to play in a women's major championship but of course they also you know you're breaking through by having a women's golf event at augusta national so how do you choose it's like i think it's going to be for the best in the long run and you also have to look at between what you know and what did for the women's amateur game sure. and how that tournament is run and how it's covered yeah. on Golf Channel and ESPN and major outlets. And it's the same week as one of your major championships. Plus it's at a golf course that every golf fan knows Sport and fan. appreciates. Yeah. You know, you're gonna get a lot of golf fans that say, hey, I love the LPGA. Nothing against you know the ANA inspiration, but I'd rather watch the top young amateurs in the world play amen corner right. than play at mission hills it was it was always an uphill battle mm -hmm. and i think you know and while picking their date which makes sense because it's always in line with the masters just really put the ana in a in a really yeah. bad spot and then again you had your your sponsor pulling out so it was just a lot of things that collided and there was just really nowhere for it to go yeah. so it'll be interesting to see in houston kind of where they find it with the golf course there there's you know the houston open on the pga tour sides move venues a lot right it was at the woodlands it was at memorial park it's been at a few different clubs you look at they just had the usga women's open at champions yep. at their 36 hole facility last year yep. i'd like to advocate to go to a certain tiger woods's first course in Blue Jack National just north of Houston. So I was like I don't even know if, how far it is. I don't even I know serious. if that's possible. I don't know how many people or fans could get around Blue Jack National. I don't know how private, receptive. All I'm saying is if you want to make a big, big splash to have an event, a women's major championship at Tiger Woods' course would be pretty special. Again, I don't foresee that happening. I don't. Maybe there's a guy from Chevron. Maybe the Chevron CEO maybe is a, a member. member. Right. Like who knows? I don't know. It says on their website, "laid back luxury." So hey, who can't get bring behind it that? I know. I was like, this place looks great. Well, I was looking to see how far it is. It's only an hour outside of like. 
the center of Houston. So, right. and people expand where they say they're from. Big like, city, come on. Yeah, and the Woodlands itself is probably like 30 minutes. So, right. you know, nothing's really in the city. So yeah, we're gonna get to see a different golf course that probably haven't seen. Maybe there's something else that none of us are aware of that's even a little further outside the, the, the metropolitan Houston area. Yep. But you're growing the golf footprint it's kind of the closing of a chapter and you know you look at what kpmg and the lpga when they kind of when the pga kind of rebranded that as you know the kpmg women's it's pga championship so it's taking it to the next level yeah. that event was struggling with sponsorships with venues with purses and now all of a sudden you're playing at you know atlanta athletic club and you've right. got an elevated purse and elevated status i think the same thing could kind of happen here sure Sure. And, you know, I think for a lot of places, it's like, well, like, let's consider having it in Houston. Who knows if it just, like, becomes one of the, the other championships that moves around. Right. So, so yeah. I mean, aside from that, we've just got three events on the schedule. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see also then what happens in the off season. Yeah. I mean, we hit on, you know, you've only got one full field event left. So if yep. you're a fan and you're looking at the, the top one, you know, the top 60 get to play in CME at the end of the year, the top 80 are fully exempt. And what fully exempt means is they'll pretty much get to control their schedule for the 2022 season, sure. the events they want to play in, they'll get in and then 80 through hundred will have some reasonable control over their schedule and the events they want to get into. So a lot to play for at Pelican in the last event. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see. I hope we have like a little duel in the final stretch on I think you'll 10th. get it. I think there's gonna be, you know, with three events, two limited field events, I think you'll get great champions. Can't believe the season's coming to an end. Well, all good things come to pass. I know, I know. Well, we'll, we'll have to do, we'll do an episode after the CME. And we'll do some maybe like 2022 predictions. I like it. Yeah. Hopefully the full schedule will be released by then. Yeah. We might have to do a, a post-CME and then a, a schedule release. I think that'd be fun. I know. Well, and it'll be the first like full year back from any like interruptions. Yeah. I think next year's schedule should be a little bit smoother. Yeah. A few less interruptions. And it'll be interesting to see where they go, where they don't go, venue changes, things of that nature. Well, thanks so much, Justin. This it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. If you've made it to this far in the episode, make sure you give us a, a good rating and yes, review. Yes, an excellent rating. Perfect. All right, 38 minutes. That's not bad. Not bad at all for nothing terribly, for, you know, a few regular mill events and some add-on news. Yeah. I think that was perfect. Good job, team. Cool.